Hello and welcome to this IBR Extra, a podcast from the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. In the 19th edition of our program, which aired during the second weekend of May 2020, we talked about what legal duties businesses owe to customers and employees in this age of COVID-19. Amy Johnson is a business attorney with the Brown Winnick Law Firm in Des Moines. We spoke via Zoom on Wednesday, May 6th. As businesses start to reopen, they have to think about a number of things, safety for customers, safety for workers. What are some of the business's obligations, in particular concerning this coronavirus pandemic? That's a great question. And the biggest obligation that an employer has at this point in time are its obligations for occupational safety and health, or OSHA, as we all know it. And those obligations require that you do provide a safe workplace free from injury, free from danger. And so that's particularly important right now when you have this pandemic going on and you have folks that are frightened, whether or not it has directly impacted them. At a minimum, you have people that are frightened. And so there is an obligation to maintain a safe workplace And that's going to be very important, more important than ever for employers and businesses to consider. How do we define those sorts of things, safety, et cetera? Yeah, so those are going to vary depending on your industry, depending on what type of business you're doing. And what I would recommend to everyone is you take a look two places. You take a look at OSHA and how and those guidelines and laws and how they apply to your industry and your business. And then I also recommend that you take a look at the CDC guidelines and what the CDC is recommending for businesses. One industry in particular that is worth highlighting, you're hearing a lot right now about the meatpacking industry and what those folks are doing. What they're doing now or what OSHA, what CDC is recommending for them to do now looks quite different than what it looked like previously with regard to personal protective equipment and barriers and things like that. So It's really important more than ever that you look at that guidance, both from OSHA and from the CDC. Obviously, that anxiety is present if you just simply, as a consumer, go into a store and you see other people with masks, whether they are staff people or fellow customers, it's kind of jarring. And I find that even if you're wearing a mask yourself, it's kind of a jarring situation. What might businesses do to try to alleviate some of the angst so that people will feel welcome in their businesses going forward? You know, that's a great question. And particularly, you know, my, I've had this discussion with my husband who does our grocery shopping because, you know, certain of the, the grocers are requiring or not requiring masks at this point. And based on my understanding, and I'm certainly not a medical professional are more to prevent the transmission as opposed to actually contracting the virus. And so those aren't a bad thing. If you go into a business and you see those, that's not a bad thing. That's a precaution to help you as a consumer. There's going to be a new normal and there is going to have to be somewhat of a paradigm shift with regard to that PPE. And I I do think we'll see it become more of the trend, more of the requirement perhaps in commercial businesses. When we're talking about businesses that might have allowed individuals to work from home, and you just talked about a paradigm shift, there may be some individuals who find that working remotely actually makes them quite productive, 
They may say, well, you know, I'd kind of like to do this a few days of the week to help with child care, et cetera. Do you get questions from businesses that are themselves contemplating what this will look like going forward and whether some of these work from home situations may become permanent? Absolutely. That question is going to continue to be prevalent among businesses for some time now because you're absolutely right. Most businesses that require an office type setting, I'm a transactional business lawyer, so most of my time is spent drafting contracts and, and you know emails and things like that. And that can, in a lot of cases, be done from almost anywhere, as a lot of jobs can. So we're certainly going to, I anticipate, seeing a lot more uh, employees asking for those types of accommodations. Particularly, we don't know what school situations or childcare situations are going to look like on a go forward. And those may not have the traditional approach that they have in the past. I mean, we don't know that it'll be a a five-day, full-day school day with all 600 elementary students in the school and at the same time and whatnot. So I think that there's going to be some important lessons learned from this time and that businesses, in order to adapt and change and stay relevant, are going to have to take those things into consideration and into account when dealing with employees. There are privacy issues, of course. In this situation, when there's a health care crisis, we might not mind being required to have our temperature taken to come into work, et cetera. Is there a line to be drawn with regard to either an individual exerting their right of privacy or a business owner's ability to what in another time might be called infringe upon someone's privacy. I I dare say I never considered the fact that my employer might ask me if they could take my temperature before I came into the building, and now that's commonplace in manufacturing. Right. That's a great question. And again, it's going to be a paradigm shift for businesses. We haven't had an issue like this from a public health perspective in your or my lifetime. And so we are going to see changes and there is going to be a balancing of that right of privacy against that interest in public health. So we are going to see changes and we are going to see see differences there. And you're absolutely right in manufacturing facilities, in healthcare facilities, uh, even daycare facilities uh, that folks are using on an everyday basis. We're going to start to see that. And it really is. It's going to be a balancing act uh, of weighing that privacy, that right to privacy against the public interest and and the public health. A good business has a good, frequently reviewed and updated crisis plan. And I dare say few of them had global pandemic as one of the things that they might be looking toward. They were probably looking toward floods and tornadoes and natural disasters like that. If anything good has come of this, I suppose it's a matter that people are thinking about these crisis plans and contingency planning. Have you been getting many requests from clients for advice on how to better structure the operation, either to account for things in the near term and then going forward as they contemplate other things like this that may happen? Absolutely. That You hit the nail on the head. That is, This was not something that any of us saw coming. And I think if you did, then you uh, you have a skill set that is desirable. But yes, businesses are looking at those types of plans. They're looking at their their business continuity plans. They're improving them. They're probably better than they've ever been. 
certainly global pandemic was not the forefront of those in the past, but it's definitely there now. And that's not a bad thing. When you are making that plan, you do take into account all of the things that that we've talked about today. You take into account the privacy interests. You take into account the health and safety of your employees. You take into account your ability to provide goods and services to your customers or to your consumers. Those are all a part of it. All should be a part of it. That's regardless of whether you're talking about a global pandemic or you're talking about a flood or or uh, some other kind of business interruption. All of those issues are important and all of them are going to vary industry by industry. And so it's an important issue to revisit. Like you mentioned, if we've learned anything from this, we probably need to revisit them a little bit more often. What other questions are your clients raising or should they be raising if they're not with you regarding this whole issue so that they not only can maximize their business productivity, but also from a legal standpoint, not incur liability? That's a great question. So from a a liability incurrence standpoint, one suggestion that I would make is take a look at some of the executive orders. The governor has issued a number of proclamations. The president is continuing to issue executive orders on various topics. I would not be surprised if we start to see some additional guidance in those or some additional, uh, particularly at the executive, uh, at the presidential level, uh, to see potentially some liability limitation in those. I would, I would take a look closely at those proclamations and executive orders. The other thing that I would advise businesses to do if they have not done so already is to take a look at the benefits that are available to them from a financial standpoint, because there are a number of federal, state, and local incentives, loans, grants, things out there that folks can be taking advantage of at this point to help them from a fiscal perspective, which hopefully hopefully we're nearing the end of the direct closures and you know the direct impact on our ability to do business. But I think we are long from seeing the end of the economic impact of this pandemic. And so I would just encourage businesses, if you haven't already, look at those opportunities for fiscal aid and financial security going into the next, you know, six to 12 months as we really see the financial impact of this pandemic unfold. Amy Johnson, an attorney with the Brown Winnick Law Firm of Des Moines, we spoke via Zoom on Wednesday, May 6th, less than a week after some areas of Iowa reopened for business. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry is a supporter of the Iowa Business Report radio program and podcast. The Iowa Business Report airs weekly on dozens of radio stations across the state of Iowa, with the podcast posted right here every week, along with additional IBR extras. I'm Jeff Stein for the Iowa Business Report.